Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, Navman have been around for years and years and years. Their job used to be getting you from A to B to C to D, but now they're also hard-focused on making sure that they pay attention to the road for you in between the A's and the B's and the C's and the D's. They want to make sure that they are recording and capturing anything that could be happening on the road in front and behind you in your daily commute, in your errands, in your trip to school, your trip to work, your life as an Uber driver, whatever it may be. Now, what's important when it comes to dash cams is making sure you're choosing one that when it matters, the content, the footage will actually serve you well. And anyone can buy a dash cam. Anyone can go to any store on the planet and buy a dash cam. But when it matters, will that footage make out number plates, the car make and model, whether the traffic light was red or green, or can you even distinguish colors with your dash cam? If you have a dash cam and you haven't looked at the footage to make sure of all of these things, then make sure you do that. Because if not, you need to head to navman.com.au, check out their entire range. And as I've tested, probably every single model that they still sell at the moment, I can tell you that they have my, my little tick of approval. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor of this podcast, but it's because it's been tried and tested. Head to navman.com.au, check out the videos, look at the real dash cam footage that comes from these cameras and make a decision for yourself. Let's get on with the show. Rasembrasma, Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert, Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are tuned into Australia's number one podcast. Welcome, I should say technology podcast, but why not? Let's rev it all the way up. This is a pleasure every single week to join you in sickness and in health until death do us part and talk technology. Now, I just talked about Jeff's tick of approval when it comes to dash cams, and maybe that should be an official stamp. But speaking of which, I have a St. Hugo Barossa Valley Shiraz 2021 Vintage. This is their latest release. And, you know, this is my last supper type wine. You know, if I can turn any water into any wine, it's this one. Uh, honestly, I, I love what St. Hugo do. I've always been a fan of theirs. Uh, even years and years ago, I used to review wine and I've always enjoyed drinking St. Hugo wines, whether it's their Cabernet, whether it's their GSM, even their, some of their whites are fantastic. But in particular, their Barossa Shiraz is up there with some of the best. And you'll find it usually in store for between 40 and 50 bucks a bottle. So yes, it might be a bit of a slightly special occasion wine, uh, but it's one of those wines that you just won't be disappointed by. And plus, they look so darn elegant on the table. They're just gorgeous looking bottles. Now, what we're here to talk about today is technology, and I have a few things. Uh, I have a lot of gadgets in front of me at the moment where I feel like I need to give you an update on some because we spoke about them last week, but also... I'm an iPhone boy now. I'm a convert. I've got my SIM card back in my iPhone. You want to send me an SMS? No, baby, we do iMessage over here. I'm on Blue Bubble Town. And forget this whole green bubbles now. I'm 100% back in the Apple camp as I'm testing the iPhone 15 Pro Max. Yes, that's right. iPhone 15 Pro Max. And I've got the iPhone 15 uh, Plus as well. Uh, yes, Apple has been kind enough to send me review devices and I feel absolutely spoiled by that because they've actually sent me, I guess, the best of the best. The one that I have my SIM card into is the iPhone 15 Pro Max, one terabyte version. 
That's as high as you could go in iPhone category land. Uh, this is the titanium model. This is the one that if you don't put a case on the side, the titanium will get my oily skin touching it, and that's not a good thing for titanium. But what I can tell you is this. The change has been easy. And I'll tell you why. Because it always has been. Whether you're going from iPhone to Android, Android to iPhone, it's actually a very simple thing to do. If your contacts are in the cloud, maybe they're backed up to your Google account, um, and you've got email that's also in the cloud, and your photos are also in the cloud, you literally move your SIM card across, you sign into your, your apps, you download your contacts, email, calendar, and you're done. The apps that are available in the Apple App Store exist in the Google Play Store. There is really no difference when it comes to what apps you would like to use. Maybe there is an exception here and there, but trust me, you look at the top 200, you'll be like for like on both camps. So what's different? Well, I'll tell you what's different. And I've actually kind of been keeping a little notepad nearby. I don't know why I had to use a notepad. I could have just used Apple Notes, obviously. Um, a little notepad, and I've got a couple of notes in here. One is sleep management. And I'll be very curious to hear from you listeners as to whether I've messed something up here. But what I can tell you is that with my uh, Pixel, my Pixel 7 Pro, when it would hit a certain time about when I would normally go to bed, it'd be like, hey, it's pretty much bedtime soon. We're getting ready for you to go to bed. But then as soon as I put my phone on charge, which is on my bedside table, my phone would know Jeff's going to bed. Phone's on charge. And it would automatically silence my notifications, dim my screen, um, effectively put it in like a do not disturb mode. I can't find that kind of feature on an iPhone. Um, I can find there's different focus modes, but you've got to manually trigger that every time. There's not really an automated way that, hey, if it's past 11 p.m. and you go on charge, assume I'm asleep. It doesn't, there's no, I can't find something that does that with the iPhone. And, you know, dear listener, please let me know if I'm missing something. In notification actions... Now, yes, the iPhone 15 gets notifications. iOS 17 has notifications, no doubt. But the actual ability for me to wake up in the morning, swipe down from the top, view all my notifications and act upon them, it's so much faster on an Android device, it's ridiculous. Um, whether it's replying to a message, whether it's deleting it, whether it's expanding it to get a bit more information, it's kind of really noticeable to me now, going back to an iPhone, just how hard it is to really live your life within that notification window. You kind of have to go into the apps to deal with notifications or messages. And on Android, that's far less. And that's an efficiency play for me and something I'm kind of missing in that respect. Um, web SMS. Now, a lot of people don't know what the heck I'm talking about here. But with Google, um, if you use Google Messages, which is your SMS platform, you can go to web.messages.com or something like that. And uh, you just synchronize your phone to the web browser and suddenly you can respond to SMSs and send SMSs using a web browser, which is fantastic when you're at work. If an SMS was to come through, I'm not glancing at my phone, I'm just dealing with a second tab on my browser. That's on Android. I can't do that. How do I do that on my iPhone? Um, how do I just get my messages on a tab? Uh, I don't, I, I can't, maybe, maybe it's through iCloud. Maybe iCloud is, is the tool or the answer here. But you know, again, ladies and gentlemen, let me know if I'm missing something. The other thing is this call screening. I get a lot of phone calls. I answer one in a hundred of them. Literally one in a hundred. If I answer a phone call from you, you're lucky. And um, I call screen the majority of my calls. Now, obviously that doesn't exist with, with iPhone. They have to go to my voicemail and then I have to hope that someone left a voicemail because if they don't, I just simply don't call them back. But with call screening, if I don't know the number and I call screen, if the person at least says, 
it's John the Plumber, there's a much higher chance of me answering it. Uh, there's no call screening on, I- on iPhone. The other thing is interesting, spam SMSs. Now, I know that a lot of carriers block SMSs, and that's a great thing. But there are still SMSs that do get to people's devices. Uh, and that's where on-device spam protection really comes into play. And I can tell you that on, on Android, sometimes I'll get a SMS come through, and I don't even see it because my phone has already moved it into spam, and I, I don't get bothered by it. With iPhone, it's kind of like a, a an, an catch-all. If it comes through to the phone, the phone shows it to you. And that's a bit disappointing because, yes, I might recognize that it's a scam, but a lot of Australians won't, and that's probably a problem. Uh, so that's another interesting thing. I'm just kind of looking through these things. They're all small. They're all just small things that I've noticed along the way. The other thing is interesting. Um, night mode. You know, I've taken a photo at nighttime when it's really, really dark, and you think, oh, it's too dark for this camera. Well, the Pixel didn't have that problem. The Pixel could capture a photo of something which I couldn't even see. The iPhone 15 Pro Max, one terabyte, will not do that. Uh, I, I, I walked back in the bedroom last night and, and my kids, it was a storm and whatnot, so my kids are, are in the bed. I was like, oh, that's so cute. And I take the iPhone 15 Pro Max out and I get this black photo. Just nothing. Just nothing. And uh, I, think, I think there was the charging light from the bedside table was more visible. And I just know that I've done that photo many times before. And the iPhone, the iPhone and the Pixel 7 Pro with the night sight certainly does illuminate an image and it just does it with magic. So yes, there's a few things missing. Beyond that, uh, life is the same. The other thing that is annoying is the big, huge camera ridge on the back of this thing. Now, because the camera ridges are only on the top left-hand corner and not spread across the, the whole phone like it is on, say, the Pixel, which has a big bar across the side, try resting that on a flat surface, meaning good luck finding the sweet spot with a wireless charger. I'm effectively, it's designed to a point. That means that if you don't have the MagSafe charger, which can find that sweet spot and stick to it, there's a pretty good chance you're going to wake up in the morning without a full charge because it could move one millimeter and suddenly you're off the wireless charger properly. So that's one thing that's been a little bit frustrating is just finding that sweet spot. Sometimes it's the light comes on that it's charging, but then it goes back to, oh, not quite, not quite enough contact. Um, I'm using the case that Apple uh, released as part of their leather-free philosophy. Um, they wanted to save the cows. They wanted to save the environment. So they have this new, I think it's like fine woven case. I'm seeing a lot of hate about this case online, as in it marks easily, it scratches, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, everything does. Show me a case out there which doesn't scratch unless it's made out of crappy tight plastic. Um, yeah, it's got a fine woven case. It is a material. If I if I took a fingernail, which was sharpened, I could probably draw a face on it. That's like most materials out there. And hey, dude, if it was a leather case, I'm pretty sure you could also do the same with that. So do I care? No. Do you know why? Because that's what a case is for. The case is there to absorb scratches. That means the device itself didn't get a scratch. So anyway, the last thing I'll quickly say on this, because I'm not going to call it and and move to another phone in a hurry, but um, the five times zoom, which is again a Pixel, sorry, an iPhone 15 Pro Max feature, um, the five times zoom is good, but it is the same as the five times zoom on the Pixel 7 Pro. Um, it's just good that it's there. Honestly, so far, in my experience, uh, this is putting it on par with the Pixel 7 Pro. 
in a sense that it does the same things that it does. Yes, those things that I've mentioned, I'm noticing the difference. But when it comes to everyday use, I don't feel like I've got um, a phone that is ahead of the curve. I feel like I've just got another phone. And is that a good or a bad thing considering the Pixel 7 Pro is now coming up to 12 months old? I don't know if that's a great thing. Uh, Next week, we're about to hear about the Pixel 8 and the Pixel 8 Pro. And I'm not saying or saying this, but I know all about those phones already and I'm looking forward to trying them out um, very soon and you'll hear about it next week on the show. But iPhone 15 Pro is a nice device and I'll also say one thing. So I don't want to keep harping on this. I just don't want to miss anything. Um, I My last iPhone that I really spent time with was the iPhone 11. So dramatic step change from the iPhone 11. And I, I will always tell people, no one should be upgrading their phones every 12 months. That's kind of a luxury that I tend to have in this world. But if you're out there and you're using the iPhone 10, dude, you're going to love this thing. It's going to be the best thing you've ever done. Uh, if you're out there and you've got the iPhone 13, keep it, hold on to it, love it, cherish it. iPhone 12, keep it, love it, hold it, cherish it. iPhone 11, go for it. Might be a good upgrade. Might be a nice noticeable change. Beyond that, hold on to your phone, love it, cherish it. Buy a new battery if you have to. There's not a dramatic step change. So because I'm looking at it, the dynamic island, meh, who cares? I mean, yeah, it's, it's nice that it tries to make the little hole punch in the screen look like something else. But yeah, okay, like right now my phone is locked and there's a padlock next to it. Who cares? Um, I haven't a lot of apps outside of Apple's ecosystem, as in outside of what Apple creates themselves, don't have any interest in the dynamic island. Maybe that will still come. Maybe Facebook will put a little widget there. Maybe Instagram will do that. Maybe uh, Google Maps will start to leverage it, but otherwise no one does anything with it. Um, Yeah, it will show your battery life of your AirPods or it will show you the timer. Big deal. Like they're all just things that exist on on the device and not necessarily an app that you download from the store. So yeah, dynamic island, not fussed about it. Oh, one last thing. How could I not mention this? The little button on the side. So that little switch that you used to have to put your phone on silent and loud it has been replaced by this action button i have my action button programmed to flashlight and i love that um i turn the flashlight on a lot because my office is down one end of the house i work till around midnight and then i need to make my way to the bedroom and i don't want to have to turn every light on and off along the way i use the flashlight every single day and that hard press to just turn it on it's great it does the job i will also say that the flashlight is weak. It's weak. I mean, I can see where I'm going and it does the job, but I'm telling you, the flashlight on the Pixel 7 Pro, it's brighter. It's brighter. It's just, this is whiter. That's probably the other difference. Anyway, so more to come on that, and I promise to keep giving you updates on it. The other thing that I have been uh, using a little bit more probably since we last spoke was the LG Stand By Me. It's a 27-inch portable smart touch screen. Uh, You can't really call it a TV when it hasn't got an antenna connection. It can't connect to your free-to-air via antenna. You stream everything. Um, This is a 27-inch full high-definition screen. You can swivel it. You can turn it in portrait mode, landscape mode, depending on the apps that support it. I love this thing as a roll-around-the-house TV-where-you-want-it type scenario. Do you always need a TV to follow you around? Heck no. Would I be using this every day? Absolutely not. But the ability to just have a TV that, hey, I'm going to be in the kitchen. I'm, I, want, I really don't want to miss this show. Um, oh, I'm going to be outside by the barbecue. I need to make sure I can watch the footy. There is a huge benefit to it. Um, so I do like it, 
But at $2,000, am I encouraging you to buy it? No. I would have liked to have seen this thing do a little bit more than just be a, a big tablet. I think it should have a webcam built in. I think it should allow me to sign into services like Skype, um, Facebook Messenger and things like that. Um, I, I think it should have more of a smart interface to it. The fact that it only is able to just be a viewing device kind of shortchanges it a little bit. You know, it wouldn't be hard to put in a little fold-up uh, webcam or something like that that could make this a portable video conferencing machine. You know, whether it's Microsoft Teams built in, Zoom, who knows? Like, this could end up being in my office if it could do those things. So, yeah, it's great. It's got that three-hour battery life, which I really appreciate. Uh, it is enough to be able to, you know, finish cooking your steaks by the barbie while you're watching TV or if you're in the kitchen and want to catch the news, whatever it could be. So it's, it's very, very cool. Uh, I do like it. Who knows? Maybe I'll give you another update on that one next week. Now, I did mention that I've got the Sonos Move 2. This is a big update on all the products I've been playing with. Uh, the Sonos Move 2. I have the Move 1. Now, we had my daughter's birthday over the weekend. I had them both outside, uh, and that was an amazing experience. However, it was also a very noticeable experience. The Move 2 sounds... I would say 50% better than the Move 1. The Move 1 is not a stereo sounding speaker. It's mono. That's okay. It actually sounds fantastic. I love the Move 1. But now that the Move 1 has dropped $100 and the Move 2 comes in at obviously $100 more, um, this is the one to buy. It is worth the extra $100. It is absolutely brilliant. It's got a crazy long battery life at 24 hours. Um, it's got that water resistance. It's, drop resi it's tough. It's a tough speaker. Not that you would ever want to you know, drop it or do anything wrong like that. But it is sounding so much better than the Move 1 that it kind of is strange. Now, side by side, it's like looking at the iPhone 15 and the iPhone 14. They are twins. They are best friends separated at birth. Like they are literally, well, they look the same. It looks like they may have recycled even some parts. Like it's just coming off the same production line. Obviously, inside is where the difference is, and that's what matters when it comes to speakers. With phones, I think you do need to have external changes and not just have upgrades on the inside. But with speakers, uh, maybe I can give you some leeway. It does sound very, very different, and that's what matters. I've got it in this olive green, and I didn't know too much whether I liked it or loved it at the time. I kind of like in the olive green. The other one is black. Um, it does come in a white as well. But yeah, move to 799. It is a pricey speaker, but it is a very very good speaker. So that's the latest products that I have been uh, playing with, toying with, enjoying. And again, in all of these scenarios, you know I'm actually using them. This isn't a review of me looking at a spec sheet or me just getting it delivered to my home. I use it once and I say, fantastic. These are always adopted into my life. I never bring a speaker or a product into my home and just review it. And in some fake way. Um, beware. Beware of that one because um, a lot of people do that. Now, after this, let's talk about what Facebook or Meta announced. They have announced a bunch of things around AI, new smart glasses, and so on. And then we're going to talk about Microsoft doing something a little bit similar when it comes to AI. And a lot of these things you are going to start noticing and taking advantage of very, very soon. All right. Now, Mr. Zuckerberg, um, decided to hold an event it's called it's called Connect Meta Connect, and uh, this is their chance to really talk about what they're doing. What's what's their focus? What's their product area? Um, what are they doing over the next twelve months? Now, one of the things that they did talk about very quickly was obviously AI. Who's not doing something in AI? And in fact, if you're not, pretty good chance it's going to probably hurt your bottom line 
or your investor relations, as they would call it. Now, AI has been applied and Google, not Google, Facebook, Meta, they're all jumping in. Now, a couple of things that they're going to start seeing is, say, for example, when you're in a chat on Messenger and someone says something and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so going to find a GIF or an image of what I'm thinking of saying and you spend five minutes searching for something and by then the moment's gone. By the time you find it, it's too late or it just doesn't get found. There's going to be an AI version of stickers. So you might say, ah, geez, I really want to send a picture of a, a birthday cake in the shape of a Ferrari and you spend too much time normally on Google or whatever it is finding that picture so you can be like, oh, here's your perfect, perfect birthday cake. I knew you'd like that one. Now, with artificial intelligence, you'll be able to do that. So you'll literally be able to just type in and have AI generate the image for you. Some examples they gave was actually a unicorn birthday cake. But being a man, I wanted to have something more relatable. Um, So in that example, you literally type in, in their case, unicorn birthday cake. And then four examples will be generated for you immediately. And then you can choose that sticker to send. So we're going to get to this point where you're not going to have to search for things to try and find what you're trying to say or what you're trying to express, you'll just get artificial intelligence to generate it for you. And that's awesome because when you think about, obviously for me, the efficiency of a conversation, keeping the flow going, your idea will be translated into AI and delivered for you in seconds rather than you taking more time out of your day to go and find something. And that something may not even exist because your imagination may be something that hasn't already been created. So this AI studio is going to be a big deal. We're also starting to see um, in Instagram and other things, you know, the idea of filters. Maybe we used to just add a filter. Um, that's going to change dramatically as well. So the image that you're about to share, you may choose to make it look watercolor and the whole image will transform into that. Or you might be able to say, remove my background and replace it with the Eiffel Tower or, or a beach or something like that. And that's all going to be built in. So eventually, guys, the stuff you see on Instagram, or maybe it is already, it's just going to be so unbelievable and fake that you just won't know what's real and what's not. Maybe maybe the picture of them will be real. Who knows? So AI Studio is going to really make a big impact. But at the same time, they've got hardware coming. Now, it wasn't that long ago that Ray-Ban and Meta uh, partnered up to create a pair of glasses. I have them. In fact, I, I use them from time to time. The current pair is a pair of uh, Wayfarers that have camera lenses on the on the left and on the right, and they're used to create short video and take photos. You can also use the microphone to take calls, and you can obviously use the speakers inside these glasses to listen to music and hear phone calls. Um, you can use a voice assistant to take the photo, and it's brilliant. Like I've, I've used them when I travel. I think they're a fantastic way of capturing things without holding your phone all the time. It's, it's fantastic. Now, the big change that's coming uh, with a new pair of glasses, again, still going to be Wayfarers. I'm probably going to have others with Ray-Ban as well. Uh, but the big things that we're going to start seeing is they're going to have this AI engine built in. So the cameras will be able to effectively recognize objects for you. So as you're walking down the street, as an example, you might look at a building. Wow. And you might ask Meta or whatever the heck they're going to call it, what am I looking at? And it would be like, well, that's the Eiffel Tower. And that was built in whatever. And you go, oh, wow, that's really interesting. And you can keep walking. Or you might say, what's this flower as you're looking at something? What's this meal? Um, Those kinds of questions. And I think it's just going to be using artificial intelligence to do object recognition. Now, I always said when this first came out, you know, a couple of years ago, I said, these glasses will get creepy when they start to do object recognition beyond 
the objects, as in facial. When I can start walking down the street and I see someone I know, but I forget their name, and I'm like, you know, hey, Facebook, who's this? And this is, dude, that's, that's John. You went to school with John. You know John. John is now married with two kids. John works at this place. John's last Facebook update was off to Fiji. Wouldn't that change the conversation when I eventually go, hey, John? And he goes, oh, hey, Jeff. And I have all of that context built into my head because my glasses did that for me. I still fundamentally believe that's where, that's where this technology is going. There is no point for Meta to have all of the data about us all captured if they can't link it back to this hardware at some point in the future. So yes, let's warm us up. Warm us up by getting us able to recognize objects. Oh, that's a gum tree. That's the Eiffel Tower. That's the Harbour Bridge. That's fantastic. But that thing is going to become a superpower device when it can recognize faces, whether it's faces that you know or faces that you don't know. What will happen when it recognizes and, and it tells you the name of the cashier, the person who's making your coffee. And you can say, hey, thanks, Lisa. And you didn't even know her name was Lisa. The glasses did. Glasses told you who, exactly who it was. Things could get weird. And yes, I think they've got the power to do it. Now, these glasses will come out at $449 in Australia, October 17th. So if you want a pair for the summer, you don't need to wait too much longer. I love them for when you're out with the kids, when you're traveling, things like that. I really do love them for capturing memories hands-free. And if you think about when you're playing with your kids, the last thing you really want to be doing is pulling your phone out to take a photo. The fact that you can just ask it to start recording video and you start capturing this beautiful interaction without holding your phone, there's a huge benefit to doing that. So anyway, that's why I would get them. You'll find other reasons to do so. Now, Microsoft, they are swinging, swinging punches. They're going to bring out Copilot, and this is their everyday AI companion. Do you remember Clippy? If, you, if you're as old as I am, uh, you'll know what Clippy was. It was a paperclip-looking assistant that lived in Microsoft Office. It used to sit in the corner of, my, of Microsoft Word, um, PowerPoint, and others, and it would be like, got a question? And you would ask it a question, and it says, I don't know. I think Clippy failed to answer 99% of questions anybody ever asked it. And in fact, when it did answer a question, it got it wrong. Microsoft say they're going to get this one right. Copilot is going to live inside Windows 11. It's available if you've got Windows 11 now, and you can start to use it. This is absolutely going to be your AI tool that you can be chatting with, talking with, asking questions at any time. You could be carrying out a shopping experiment. You could be, for example, looking at something. Maybe there's a, a photo of a beanie. A nice beanie. Wish I could buy that. Just drag it into Copilot. It will tell you exactly where to go and buy it from. But what's really beneficial is, again, when you're back in those Microsoft Office products and you're saying, I need help. I need help writing an introduction to this essay. And Copilot should be able to help you do that. You've got a, a big spreadsheet. You've got all your expenses listed out in a corner. How do I do a formula? How do I add these up? What's the average spend? What do I, how much out of pocket am I going to be at the end of the year? Those kind of questions. Copilot will be able to help you do that. Oh, dear, I've got to do a PowerPoint presentation at work and it's so hard. I'm not creative. How do I lay these things out to make it look good? Copilot should be able to help you do that. And then when it comes to wordsmithing or when it comes to um, social media posts or effective communication, you name it, rewriting an email for you because what you wrote sounded terrible. Copilot should help you do all those things. And It'll be available right now if you've got Windows 11 and it's free. I can't wait to give this one a crack. I can't wait to see exactly 
how good it is, but we also know this, it's going to evolve heavily. And while it will evolve heavily and consumers will certainly be enjoying it, the biggest winners I think in Copilot is going to be the enterprise. I think it's going to be all of those office workers, all of those people sitting in a, in a room right now, whether you're working from home, whether you are working in an office, once your enterprise or your workplace allows you to use Copilot, your efficiency should go through the roof. If you've been Googling Excel formulas, if you've been toying with PowerPoint presentations to make it look good, anything that you've been struggling with with Office, Copilot should be helping you with that. And if you don't have it on your computer, I would be asking your IT department when it's going to happen. Now, I can tell you that for enterprise, they're not going to get access to it if they've got enterprise licenses. They're not going to get access to it until November 1st. At that point, you better be asking. Now, my throat is closing because, yes, I'm not 100% recovered from my whatever the heck I got, maybe COVID 2.0, but I'll be here next week and I'll be speaking to you again. Now, here's one quick tidbit. Next week, 5th of October, if you're not sitting in front of Studio 10, Channel 10, 10 10 a.m., so 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 a.m., Channel 10, October 5th, you will miss the first look at what Google has on offer, uh, has coming out, um, and you'll also miss my opinion on the iPhone 15 and a whole bunch of other smartphones. Yes, we're doing a smartphone segment, and I cannot wait to bring that to Studio 10. As always, unfiltered, unbiased, because that's what we do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for Jan downloading. I'll speak to you again next week. Bye-bye.